This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. All right, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Pints in Perspective. Uh, I am still here with my good friend and mentor, Dr. Ben Blackwell, and it is still early in the morning, so we are still drinking coffee, so no beer talk on this episode again. I'm sorry, we'll get to it in a little bit. But uh, we are continuing our series on the kingdom of God, and uh, we talked a little bit about the kingdom of God and and what the kind of big, broad overview of the kingdom of God is. But now we want to look more at like some core, central kingdom ideas and themes. Uh, and so I think uh, Ben has uh, a really good take on this that I want to want to let him walk us through. Yeah. So when I think about the kingdom course there are different ways that we can come to that but one of the ways that seems to play out is going to text where the word kingdom is used a lot so <laughs> as i as i tell you know it's like a parent that repeats something over and over again that tells you or your boss or whoever that that's kind of the, important yeah that's important right and so there's a passage in matthew 12 where the term kingdom comes up over and over again and so i think it it spells out the nature of how Jesus saw the kingdom working out in his own ministry and also in the, the life of the church. And so it's Matthew 12, 22 to 32 is the passage that um, is there. And sometimes it will look at this because it has to do with the blasphemy of the spirit uh, and the unforgivable sin, which is a interesting and a, you know, difficult kind of passage. I'll leave oh, that yeah, to sure. pastor Colin to, uh, <laughs> to sort all those questions out. But when we talk about the kingdom, it's the set in a framework that we don't often think about today. And that's the idea of demon possession or demon uh, oppression, maybe a better word there in that sense that people uh, of course saw had problems in the ancient world. And we, we tend to live in what's today called kind of a disenchanted world, a world that where we don't see demons or power events like this going on. And so we discount that. In fact, we tend to kind of write off a good chunk of, I think a good chunk of Jesus's ministry because it just doesn't make sense in our scientific world. Right. So if you're listening and you're a theology nerd, uh, it's okay to talk theology on here. It's what okay. we do. Okay. So uh, this is uh, great to help you formulate. This is the work of Charles Taylor in a secular age. Uh, to kind of help you get that big picture. Yeah, there's a, a, for the rest of us, there's a, instead of the 800 page book, which I love, I think Charles Taylor's really shaped the way that I think about the world is that uh, Jamie Smith has a book, How Not to Be Secular. Oh yeah, it's and it's a, a reading of, yeah, yeah. Of Charles Taylor. It's the 150 page summary of Charles Smith's uh, eight, or Charles Taylor's um eight or 900 page book. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll link, I'll link both of those in the show notes. You can have your pick at which one fits your kind of needs. Yeah. So it's uh. but if you ever read Char uh, Charles Taylor, his first chapter called the bulwarks of belief, which explains kind of the shift in the worldviews or what he calls the social imaginary from say about 1500 or about what we consider the start of the reformation till today, why people, the default position at the in 1500 was to believe in God. Whereas today the default cultural position is not to believe in God. What are the shifts that are behind that? And one of those key shifts is the idea of deism or that God is just absent. He 
not engaged in the world. He's the clockmaker who sets it in motion and lets it tick. Yeah, that's right. So in that sense, if God's not active in the world, then all these stories about God doing something is, you know, not really true to life. But even more so, if God's not active in the world, then you don't have these demons and angels active in the world either. And you so, don't have spiritual presence at all. Yeah, it's a, it becomes a very mechanistic view of, of nature and life. And so one of the things that really to have a kingdom mindset is to come back to this idea that there are demonic powers out there. And, and we may not name them in the same way, but surely the power of evil and pornography over people, or you name any other issue of alcohol abuse, these are demonic powers that are rampant in society today. And, such that people without being liberated, right? Jesus actively coming in and freeing them from these problems, we wouldn't see, we don't see victory over these. And so these right. stories here are not just uh, abstract stories. They're the same kind of power that we need God to come in and take control. And, and so the kingdom of God is not just us doing right things. It's God's control over and his rule working out. And so I think in that sense, that sets up the larger context right. where we're coming here. So in Matthew 12, it, it talks about Jesus uh, healing, a casting out the demon of a man who is blind and mute. And so the interesting thing here that starts this whole thing off is that the people ask the question, could this be the son of David? And that's a very interesting response to this. Cause we might think, gosh, this is a prophet. This is a miracle worker. And yet they say son of David now to, so to fit in this whole story, this is why the kingdom fits in this is David is the model King, right? He's the paradigm for the old Testament view of what any good King was going to be like David. And so in this sense that when we come to Jesus doing this healing episode, it shows that this is a kingdom kind of thing and right. it shows his identity as the king. In fact, we it takes uh, we should take a step back and say, you know, Jesus as the Christ or Jesus Christ, uh, we often think of Christ as Jesus's last name, right? right. Uh, as if Joseph and Mary Christ had little baby <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. <laughs> and actually Christ is a title. It's, it's an Jesus as as the Christ or yeah. uh, in Hebrew it's he's the Messiah. So right. of course uh, we know Messiah people more commonly know that as a title, a role. Yeah. So go back and listen to our episode on the Nicene Creed, the Jesus part, the God the Son part. Uh, and we detail this out a little bit more as well. Okay, so that's very important. And so with the Gospels then, they're telling the story as Jesus, who is the Messiah. And so there are different names and titles that Jesus have throughout the Gospel. So Son of God. Well, if you go back, uh, that sounds to us like Son of God, you know, God come down to earth. Right. And yet in Jewish theology, that can also, and, and more likely even, uh, in this case, be uh, a name for the Davidic king. So if you look at Second okay. Samuel 7, when the Davidic covenant is laid out, these promises to David and, and his dynasty is the idea that he, God will be the father and these kings will be a son to me. And so yeah. the king, a son of God, is a king. 
Uh, the same thing that you see in Psalm 2, which is a, a classic like model psalm of like speaking about the Davidic covenant and God's promise to these kings. And again, you have this son of God language there. And so when Jesus is called the son of God, it has like this dual reference. So yeah. is he God incarnate? Well, yes, but actually a more surface reading of that are more kind of like what would be obvious to them is like, no, this guy is the Christ. He's the Messiah who's fulfilling these Davidic promises to be a king. And so again, it's this whole thing. Jesus heals this guy of demon oppression. And so they ask, is he the son of David? Is he fulfilling these Davidic promises that God would send us a king who would restore the world to run the way God wants it to be? And of course, the whole thing here that proceeds in this story, Matthew 12, is the idea of Jesus's kind of opposition from the Pharisees who say, look, he's casting out the demons, but it's because he's on, he's, he's a lieutenant of Satan here, right? Right. Yeah. He's in cahoots with Beelzebul, which, uh, and just means Lord of the flies, right? But all, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where we get the term from yeah. Baal or Baal. And the Old Testament just means Lord. And so this is the guy that's the, he's the prince of demons. And so he's the, you know, the general. And so G, uh, Jesus is his lieutenant, just helping tell people, other demons, where to go and demonic things. And of course, Jesus says, hey, you know, you, you got it um, bass backwards, right? You know, it's like, yep. I'm, I'm not on Satan's side. I'm on God's side here because a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So again, right. we have more kingdom language here. And this is where we get to, I think the center of the whole idea is that Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then you know, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And this is, becomes a fundamental premise or way to view the kingdom is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one, the Messiah who comes in the power of the spirit. And so wherever you see the spirit of God at work, that's where you see the kingdom at. And I think that's a fundamental premise for the new Testament. We see this play out in acts one and other things I can go there, but I've, I've kind of rambled along here. What, what kind of things does this uh, stir up in your mind as you hear that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's true. I think um, there are a few things here that uh, it pops up that, the kingdom of God is um, a conquering or dominion over a kingdom of evil. Like that, this this exists in the world, and we don't like to talk about it, right? We're a disen disenchanted world. We don't like to talk about spiritual ideas, but and if we talk about it, it's a very um, like ancient Greek cosmology of a three tiered universe, right? That spiritual worlds exist outside of the material world. So heaven or the good spirits are above us and evil or the bad spirits are below us. Whereas we should really be thinking about this uh, more in a parallel universe kind of way that these things are happening simultaneously and the spiritual can penetrate the material um, or the corporeal. Um, and in this, I mean, we see this, right? So in the ancient world, we, you need to put, take yourself out of your modern mind for a second if someone was mute or blind, um, you know, think John nine, who sinned that this man might be born blind. Like if you had an ailment, it's the presence of evil or, uh, spiritual forces over you. And so Jesus comes in and says, nobody sinned that this man might be born blind, but the audience, the crowd, the way they're playing 
is that they understand this, that, that there is some spiritual force causing this to happen upon a person. And so when Jesus comes in, this is not, this is both a healing as we see, but this is also Jesus showing authority over evil. Mm. And so it is a foreshadowing of the coming victory in which the kingdom of God will prevail over all evil. In this situation, it's over the evil in this man's life, but there's coming a day where it will be the conquering of all evil. And it is to go with greater themes. It has realization now because the spirit of God has come upon us. We're past Pentecost. Like Pentecost mm-hmm. has happened. We have the spirit of the living God indwelled within us. So we have the realization of the kingdom right now. Yeah, I think that, uh, so to point out that way in Acts 1, uh, after Jesus dies and uh, raises from the dead, he comes back and he's with his disciples for 40 days. And it says he teaches them about the kingdom of God. Right. And so they ask this question, well, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And a lot of people were like, gosh, they've got the whole thing wrong, right? Why are they asking that question? And I think it's the perfect question to ask, right? Son of David, the Messiah, what is he going to come and bring? He's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. That's the whole thing here. And yet Jesus, uh, in God's wisdom and timing, that that's not the way that it, he decided to play it out to do the immediate fulfillment of that. But it, it, part of that has to do with the idea is that God's kingdom is not limited to a physical geographic location, but it is a location in the sense that it's where God's rule and reign, his will is being carried out. And so what does Jesus say to their kingdom question? He's like, look, don't worry about the time and dates, but you will receive power when the spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses throughout the whole world. And the whole idea is like, look, it's just like this passage in Matthew 12, wherever the spirit's at, that's where the kingdom is. And so don't just think about it in geographic terms anymore. It's, it's in terms of the power of God of the gospel going out through the spirit and through the whole world. And so of course the rest of acts is a story of the spirits increasing presence throughout the known world. And the whole idea then is that when Paul at the end of Acts is preaching about the kingdom. He's doing that in the power of the spirit that's led him there. And so in that sense, where we see the spirit at, that's where the kingdom is. And so wherever that is in your family, at home, at work. And so we don't have to wait for Jesus to return to hold on and kind of white knuckle it until Jesus comes back and uh, to experience the kingdom. Now we're going to talk about later about, you know, we don't, there's all sorts of tensions in that, that the spirit's activity and work is not everywhere in the same way. And so right. we're, we're not uh, in the new heavens, new earth. We're not returned to the garden of Eden where everything is great. Um, but we can have real experience of the kingdom here and now because of the spirit, because of Pentecost is with us all. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a really good point. Um, if, if you missed Ben's definition of the kingdom of God, it's the time and place in human history when God reigns over the world. That is what the definition of the kingdom of God would be. And here, what, what Jesus is telling us is that the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's realized when 
the Spirit of God is active in the world and specifically over evil. Mm. Now, in our disenchanted world where we try to despiritualize, demythologize things, um, we we don't think about it in this way. You know, uh, Dr. David Capes uh, talks about this, that if we only had Mark's Gospels, like if, if Mark's gospel is the only gospel we'd have, we would do a whole lot of exorcisms because like that's the way that Jesus manifests his authority over evil. But for us, I think um, even if we just turn evil uh, more to uh, a personification like Paul does at times with sin, sin and evil are personified, um, we can look at evil as... Um, depression, addiction. Um, we can look at evil as, you know, Jesus does to some extent with looking at people for the gain that we can have from them rather than being relationship and, and, uh, and interacting with them as the people that they are created in the image of God, designed for goodness and love of God. Um, all of these are evil, uh, all of these are things that the kingdom of God, the work of the spirit in our lives is what we should be working towards conquering, that it's the work of the spirit through us as pockets of the kingdom living in this present world, which Paul also calls this present evil age, which we'll talk about later. It is the, the light shining in the darkness yeah, that's uh, in that sense, the geography or the location of the kingdom, right, is wherever the spirit's at. I, I, I really uh, find the Bible Project videos and podcasts yes. very helpful. They have we one talk called, about the Bible Project. Awesome yeah, on heaven and Earth, uh, the one on heaven and earth, if you Google that, I think really captures this big picture in the sense that it's, uh, you know, like you said, the multidimensional you know, we, we don't have any problem thinking uh, if we consider it, you know, radio waves coming through the air that we don't see right now. Right. Um, the division between, you know, the physical world that we can see and the spiritual world is uh, what I like to think of as like those bead curtains from the 70s. You know, they uh, they make there's this division so that we don't see the spiritual world. So you don't really see past that bead curtain very easily. But at the same time, the bead curtain's not stopping anything from going. Right. You know, and so we experience those realities, the spiritual realities, uh, you know, or my pastor likes to use the language of a thin space, you know, yeah. where we see uh, and more directly connect with that. And the whole idea of the heaven and earth of that Bible project video is that the whole is that it's heaven come down to earth. The whole idea of the kingdom is God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven, which yeah. uh, of course Jesus leads us to in the Lord's prayer. And so, in that sense, uh, when we see the spirit at work here and now, that's the Bible project guys describe that as little pockets of heaven yeah. here on earth. And I think that's a really good thing. It's like the kingdom is the heavenly realities here on earth. And so as we see the spirit work, that that's when we're um, seeing this play out. And, and in a lot of ways, that's why I think Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven 
instead of just the kingdom of God. Sometimes yeah. people will say it's, you know, the Jews, uh, particularly ancient Jews, but modern Jews as well are quite cautious about ever saying uh, God's divine name that you have in the Old Testament. And so you'll have ways of referring to God that doesn't use his name. And so Hashem uh, means actually the name, or they'll say Adonai, Lord, instead of uh, the divine name. And so uh, some will say, look, Matthew is just doing that. It's, it's the kingdom of heaven. So instead of talking about God directly, he's doing it indirectly to honor God's name. And I think there is some aspect of that, but at the same time too, it's like, no, there are heavenly realities that are coming down to earth. And the whole idea is not for us to die and go to heaven. It's for the kingdom of God, heaven to come down to earth. And so the kingdom of heaven is that hope and that reality for us and that we can experience those pockets of heaven of restored and healthy marriages, restored and healthy yeah. relationships with parents and children. Yeah. Um, restored communities. That's the whole idea of the church as a new community to where people love and forgive one another and don't just fight over who has the most and power and honor and all those kind of things. And that's when heaven comes to earth. That's the kingdom there. Yeah. When you see people uh, forgive their enemies or all those things. Uh, we, yeah, I think, I think that's true. And, and this goes to our point that we don't live out the kingdom. Well, um, Jay Z has this famous uh, interview that he does where he says that he thinks hip hop has done the greatest um, moving of the needle for racial reconciliation. And when I watched this and heard this, you can read, the, read about this more in a book uh, called woke church, but uh, I think he's right. And that broke my heart because that should be the kingdom of God. That should be the church doing the most for racial reconciliation and restoration but I think uh, this is a key marker for Matthew because Matthew does a really good job of this. So in, in Matthew, in the early pieces of Matthew, we have Jesus' baptism, and we have this Greek verb that the heavens are torn or, or ripped open, and the voice of God the Father says, this is my beloved Son, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. Well, then we have this key piece here in chapter 12, it seems like a perfect middle marker to what then becomes at the end of Matthew at the offering of Jesus' spirit on the cross, the veil in the temple is torn or ripped open from the top down, that God no longer is isolated to this place in the temple, and Paul helps us with this, but now at the sending of the spirit, we are the temple. You, the people of God, house the Spirit of God and have become this temple. You are the place in which God dwells. Yeah, I think that's the whole idea is that God's presence is at the heart of this whole story. Yeah. So, And again, to understand the kingdom of God, you've got to start from the Garden of Eden, right? God's yeah. presence was there. He was dwelling with his people and of course, sin is what creates the separation or alienation of humanity from God. And throughout the whole rest of the Old Testament, we have these covenants that articulate the way that God is restoring his presence. So the whole idea with Abraham is that he would bless the people um, that he's called out. And then particularly with the 
Mosaic Covenant, you have that whole idea of the temple. Yeah. The, a lot of times we tend to think, gosh, the temple, it's all the sacrificial stuff, and it just like uh, makes God further away from us. Right. But the whole idea is that the temple was the way that God's presence could be realized among the people. Right. And so, of course, God's presence is powerful. Like holiness, uh, sometimes we, uh, you know, have heard the statement, maybe you've heard it said that God can't be in the presence of sin. I think that gets it exact backwards, right? Right. Is that sin can't be in the presence of God. And so this whole sacrificial system, the holiness code of the Old Testament is protect sinful people that when you go in God's presence, you won't get struck dead because it's like going into a a nuclear reactor without protection, right? Right. I mean, it's a powerful place. It's a, it's not a bad thing, but it's uh, it's a thing that you need to come with uh, appropriate protection and things like that. So, but the whole idea is that God's presence would be with people. And so again, the covenants, the other covenants and particularly the new covenant as people, the Jewish people were sinful and they had broken, they had turned their backs on God is that God would send his presence, not just in a temple in among the community, but that actually his presence through the spirit would come and be in their hearts and yeah. bring transformation. And so that's the whole focus is that God wants to be close to us. And so the whole idea of the kingdom is actually fulfillment of the God's presence, mm-hmm. that powerful presence that uh, helps drive out the presence of evil that is within us. Yeah, that's so good. All right, everybody. Well, this has been another episode on the kingdom of God. Keep coming back. We've got some great content planned for you uh, for what this looks like. Thanks.